Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Thank God we have faith in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. There's nothing that the world can throw at us that our faith can't overcome. Nothing, nothing, nothing. The world can throw at us that our faith can't quench and overcome. Stuff does get thrown at us, doesn't it? Has anybody had things thrown at you lately? Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's a part of being in this world. Well, you know, life on earth is like a battlefield. And so that's why the Bible says we got to fight the good fight of faith. No one is exempt from fighting. No one's exempt from fighting. You never want to get up in the morning and say, Father, I just thank you for today, and I just thank you that there'll be no fight today, and there'll be no warfare, and that everything's just going to go smooth today, and I just thank you. There's no problems today. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Boy, that's a prayer that's going to get you in a lot of trouble. Why? Because you're about to go out into your day not ready. You're about to leave all your armor sitting there in the closet, and you're about to go out into a battlefield. Believing God that there won't be any battle on the battlefield. And you can't believe God that there'll be no battle on the battlefield. You can't, you can't pray the battles away. But you can pray through them. And you can pray to overcome. And you can conquer. Be more than conquerors. But there, there are battles that we face in life. And we need to have a mind that is ready to suffer the Bible. The Bible says to arm yourself with a mind to suffer. In other words, get up and get ready. Get ready. What's going to come? I'll be ready. In the name of Jesus, I will be ready. I'll be ready to fight. We don't want to be spiritually lazy. We don't want to get up with a lazy attitude that just, well, you know, everything's okay. You know, I just, I just believe everything's going to be okay. You know, our Lord, Lord, why is this happening? Why are they tossing grenades over here? I don't understand that. Why are there fiery darts flying? That's why he said, take up the shield of faith. So you can quench every fiery dart. He didn't say, you won't need a shield of faith because there won't be any fiery darts. Right? No, some of those darts, they're pretty fiery. The enemy knows how to fire some fiery darts. He's been doing it a long time. But you know, we got a God who's been around a long time. He's also known as the Ancient of Days. And if God be for us, I said, if God be for us, who could be against us? See, too many Christians get depressed just at the sight of war. Too many Christians just get depressed because there's a battle going on in their life. They're in a battle. I can't believe this. I can't believe this is happening. And they're depressed because they're in a battle. And it's like, what has what the Word of God been telling us all along? It's been telling us that we are on a battlefield and we need to fight. The Bible talks about waging a good warfare. And it is a good warfare. It is a good fight because the Lord goes before us. And he fights for us. Or I'd rather say he fights through us. He's with us. And he's for us. So if God be for us, who 
can be against us. He didn't say nobody will be against you, but who'll be able to stand against you is what he's talking about. They won't be able to stand before you. You will conquer. You will overcome. But we can't be, you know, we can't be getting depressed because things don't look good. We can't be getting depressed because, you know, the sun isn't shining today and, and everything just isn't turning out the way we planned it to go. Well, welcome to the world. No, thank God we can have joy. We can be cheerful no matter what kind of trials, no, what, no matter what kind of battles come our way. Just like it says over here in James, for one, the Bible has, says it in several different places in different ways, but over in James, the first chapter, why don't you turn there with me this morning? He says in verse 2, my heathen, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, because that's what happens to heathens. But now as for the children of God, you don't have to worry about that, because you've already entered in to a place of battle-free living. Well, you know, if the Bible said that, then you could get kind of upset if you were Facing some battles in life. But notice, it's not just the heathens that go through stuff. The children of God go through things. But God is for us, not against us. He is who he says he is. Amen? Notice again, verse 2, my brethren. Do we have any brethren in the house this morning? Count it all joy if... You fall into various trials. No, it didn't say that either, does it? What does it say? When. When. In other words, it's a give me. It's going to happen. You're going to have trials. You're going to experience tests in life. But he says, notice, count it all joy. Oh, don't get depressed about it. Don't be depressed about it. And really, where does depression come from? Well, the book of Proverbs says that anxiety, which is worry, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. So it's being worried about what's happening that causes people to get depressed. It's being worried about the circumstances, the conditions that they're facing that causes people to get depressed. But the Bible says, count it all joy, which means Do not worry. Do not worry. Only believe. Believe the promises of God that if God is for you, who can be against you? And he said himself that he would never leave you or forsake you. But that through him you would always triumph and you would always win. So there's no reason to be anxious. There's no reason to be worried in life. And of course it's easy to say that when you're not going through something. When you're not in a battle, you know, it's real easy to say it. But, you know, it needs to be just as easy to say it if you're right smack dab in the middle of a fiery trial. we got to be able to maintain this kind of mentality, this kind of thinking, no matter what's going on, no matter what kind of grenades, no matter what kind of fiery darts are coming our way. That's faith. That's the life of faith. That's the life we're called to live. The life of faith, which is what? Shields up. It's a shields up kind of life where you're ready 
to quench anything that comes. You are trusting in God. And if you're trusting in him, trusting in his word, trusting in what he's told you, then you're not going to fear. You're not going to fear. So he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. See, the opposite, the opposite of depression is being joyful. And the opposite, opposite of being anxious and worried is trusting, resting, having peace, no matter what you're facing in life. Some people know Jesus lived his life by faith. Everything he did, he did by faith. And I just think about the time he was out on the boat, sleeping. His disciples were with him, and a big storm came upon them, upon the sea, and the waves began to rise, and the boat was being tossed, and it actually got to the point where it was filling with water, where these fishermen, these men that were fishermen as a profession, they, 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 they thought, they're going to drown. They're not going to make it out of this one. And so they're looking for Jesus. Jesus, where are you? And so they go running down to the cabin, you know, and they're pounding on the door. Peter comes running in there. Lord, don't you care? We are perishing. We're going under. The ship is taking water. We're sinking. It's, the storm is only getting worse. We've prayed. We've done everything we know to do, but it's only getting worse. And Jesus is sad. Jesus wakes up. Huh? Jesus gets up. Yeah, it's been a long day. Sometimes the Lord didn't, you know, didn't even uh, sleep at night. You know, he was up praying all night. And then, you know, early in the morning, he's out ministering to people. And so, you know, he's, he's tired. He got tired. He was God in human form, but he wasn't functioning as God in the earth. He was functioning as a man, anointed of God. He had to live his life the way we need to live our life, and that's by faith. That's why he's our master. He's our example to follow. That's why the Bible tells us to walk even as he walked. Because he wasn't functioning as God in the earth. So he needed to eat. He got weary at times. He was tired. He needed sleep. And so here he gets up. And the Bible says he, he, he rebukes the wind, rebukes the waves, rebukes the storm. And there's this great peace. And then he turns to his disciples and says, what took you so long to wake me up? We could have all drowned. I mean, we almost all got killed. You got, What's wrong with you, Peter? Why didn't you wake me up sooner? Is that what he said? No, if you know the story. Jesus turned to his disciples after he calmed everything down and he said, where is your faith? Why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? See, he expected that he expected them to have the same peace and rest that he had in the midst of the same storm that he was in with them. They were both in the same storm. They were all in the same storm together. And he expected them to be just like him. Now think about that. He expected them to be just like him. 
having peace in the midst of the storm, being of a calm spirit, being anxious for nothing, not worried about a thing. In fact, Jesus wasn't even upset about the storm. He wasn't upset about the storm. He had joy. What got him upset was the disciples. What got him upset was their unbelief, their lack of faith. Now, friend, I got news for you. It's the same thing with us today. God expects more of us than anxiety, than fear, than worry, than panic. He expects us to believe. He expects us to believe, especially now that we've got not only the Old Testament here written, sitting right before us, but we also have the New Testament fully completed for us. The disciples didn't have that. Yeah, but they had Jesus. They had Jesus in bodily form. Well, according to the scriptures, we have a more sure word in the written word of God than Jesus standing there in their midst talking to them. Because what Jesus was saying to them was not yet in writing. We have Jesus' promises and Jesus' words in writing. That makes it a more sure word. We've got a contract. Not only that, this contract has been sealed or guaranteed in the blood of Jesus. Jesus, while he was here on the earth with his disciples, had not gone to the cross yet. He had not shed his blood yet. He had not completed this blood covenant with his disciples. But now the blood covenant is complete, written down for us, guaranteed. It is, think about it, this is a more sure word than Jesus himself appearing to you and talking to you. Yeah, I'd still like to have Jesus stand before me and talk to me. I know exactly what you're talking about. But our faith, our confidence needs to be in the written word of God. And we need to believe this word. Just as we say we would if Jesus himself appeared to us and spoke to us. I mean, there was even a guy, he wasn't even an Israelite. He was a Roman soldier. And his servant was seriously being tormented by some kind of sickness, some kind of disease. And he sent to Jesus... And said to him, now, Lord, you don't have to come under my roof. I'm not worthy that you would come under my roof. But only say the word. Just send the word. And my servant would be healed. I mean, he didn't even need Jesus to come down there in bodily form and do it. He just believed that this Jesus, just from the things that he heard. Faith comes by hearing. Just from the things that he heard. He just believed if Jesus would just give the word, that word would happen. It would come to pass. When Jesus heard about this, the, he looked around at all the Jewish people around him, his, his covenant people, you know, Old Testament covenant people. And he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this, not in all of Israel. 
I don't want God to look at us and think, where is your faith? I want him to look at us, at life of faith, Bible church, and say, I can't find faith like this anywhere right now on the planet. And there's faith out there all over the place. You know, there's people with faith all over the place. There's churches out there full of faith all over the place. But, oh, life of faith, Bible church. Life of faith, Bible church. A church whose faith is growing exceedingly. A church where people are full of the joy of the Lord, regardless of what kind of trial, what kind of test, what kind of hellish thing it seems to be coming against them. We got faith in God. We cannot be, we cannot be moved. We are locked in and we are loaded and we are ready to fulfill the great commission. Go forth and accomplish the plan of God for our life and we have no worries and we have no want because the Lord is our shepherd. Can you say amen? Somebody say, no worries, no wants. Now, you got to understand something. I didn't say no trials and no tests. See, some people think when I say no worries, they immediately think no trials. No trials. So you say, no worries, and they go, huh, maybe for you. Maybe everything goes nice and smooth and rosy for you, pastor. You're a pastor. Everything goes smooth and rosy for you. But you know, some of us out here, we got to face some stuff. You know, we go through stuff. Well, I didn't say you don't go through stuff. I said you have no worries. No worries. See, again, a lot of people, no worries. No worries. And they think about the stuff. They think about the trials. They think about the problems that they faced in life. No, you're going to have troubles, but there still needs to be no worries. Somebody say joy in the midst of the storm. Peace in the midst of the storm. Trust in the midst of the storm. Amen. And in fact, Gene and I, as most of you know, have been going through quite a storm, quite a fiery trial and test. But are we shocked? Should we be shocked? Should the church be shocked? Should people be like, huh? No. If you're shocked, then you don't understand the scriptures. I can't believe this. Look at these waves. Look at this. the boat is filling. And we got Jesus on the boat. And the boat is filling with water. Can you imagine this? The boat is filling with water. And Jesus is on the boat. This is ridiculous. Why would the boat be filled with water if Jesus is on the boat? That should not be happening. Why not? Jesus could still be right there in your life. Have his arms all around you. And yet, things all around look chaotic and look like they're falling apart. And the devil just is screaming and making all kinds of noise. No, it doesn't mean Jesus is not there. It doesn't mean God is not there. No, bless God, he's right there with us. Because he himself said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. But we do go through trials and tests. And uh, we started going through one. It's been about a week and a half now. 
where Jean in her body, her trial was in her body, a thorn in the flesh was given to her. And so, of course, you know, we went to the Lord and we prayed. And that, you know, pain just, it continued uh, through the night. It started on Thursday night, continued through the night uh, into Friday. And so, of course, you know, there was not much sleeping that night. And I was praying and talking to the Lord about it. And, of course, you know, I'm ready to go do what would be the natural thing to do, go to a hospital, get some medical advice, get some medical help. And, of course, I knew going to a hospital actually would be more than advice. And so, so I don't take that lightly. We're not just going to run off and do something like that. You know, we're not just going to run to the hospital necessarily. So unless, you know, unless I feel led to do it. You know, we always want to be led by the Spirit of God. And see, a big thing to understand is that's a part of faith. Faith is being led by the Spirit of faith, the Spirit of God. It isn't just taking hold of the promises of God and just grabbing the letter of the word and saying, God said this, that settles it, and then that's it. You just, that's all you have. No, we have the Holy Spirit. He's the one who teaches us the word, and he's the one that's going to lead us in what we should do to see to it that God's promises come to pass in our life. It's important what we do. We need to follow the Lord's leading. We need to follow the Lord's instructions. You know, if you go to Romans, the fourth chapter, Romans 4, I don't want to just tell you the story of what we have faced. I want to teach you the word while I do it because there are a lot of great faith lessons right now in what, we're, what we've gone through and what we're coming through. There are a tremendous faith lessons. Our faith is growing exceedingly. We've been strengthened in our faith through this whole thing. I said to someone the other day, I said, you know, this is one of those things that I never, ever want to go through again. And I'm so my, my wife, who is live streaming right now, she's not here, but she is live streaming. I know that she would say the same thing. This is, this is, this is, this is, this hellish thing is something we would never want to go through again. We've gone through a number of trials that she's had a few things happen in her body over the years. There was a time she had a tumor and we knew that if we had run to the hospital that uh, the doctor had already said, her gynecologist had already said that, you know, it'd be a, uh, a full hysterectomy. And so that would mean we wouldn't be able to have children. At that time we, we had no children. And so we waited on God and we followed him. We followed the Lord's leading in what to do. We didn't panic. There were times where it was intense and very life-threatening. But we didn't panic and the Lord directed. He established our thoughts and it was the most amazing thing. And so we followed him. And of course, now we have two beautiful kids, you know, as a result of that. And we've had, you know, just a, a number of things happen, even in the birth of my son. I mean, that was... That was a trial and a test. I mean, there was, there was tribulation involved in that. Uh, and I remember going out, middle of the night, at the, at the hospital parking lot. And I'm just walking in the parking lot. And, you know, almost starting to sweat because of the, the pressure that was coming. Because of things that were being said. You know, just had to get myself in, in faith. Get myself in peace and rest. And the Lord was faithful. He, you know, he brought us through that. You know, Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, you know. But it's important we're following him. 
It's important that we're connecting him, being led by the spirit of faith. That's all part of walking by faith, living by faith. It's being led by the spirit of faith. So faith without the spirit and just the word isn't really faith. Faith is both the word of God, the written word, and the spirit of God. You got to have them both in your life. Over here in Romans, the fourth chapter, concerning Abraham, who is referred to as the father of our faith, the father of our faith, it says in verse 16, we'll just start there. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, that's the Old Testament believer, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. That's, that's all of us, all of us New Testament believers. As it is written, he quotes this from the Old Testament, I have made you, this was God's promise to Abraham, before he ever had a child, his wife was barren, she was unable to have children, and uh, they were getting up there in age now. And uh, he said, it's written, I have made you a father of many nations. So before they ever had a child and, and really weren't able to have children, and really now with how old they were, they should not be able to have children. I mean, they couldn't have it because there was obviously some, something medically wrong in their life. And now they're up there in age, so even naturally now, really almost 100 years old, you shouldn't be having children. And yet God says, I have. Like, this is a done deal. In God's eyes, it's a done deal. I have made you a father of many nations or a father of multitudes. And then it says this, in the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Notice how God is. God is a God who calls those things that do not exist as though they did exist. He says it as though it is. See, this is how faith talks. This is how God talks. This is how he wants us to talk. That's why he changed Abraham's name. Originally, his name was Abram. God changed it to Abraham, which means father of multitudes. So God changed his name so that he would be saying what God was saying. I'm a father of multitudes. Every time he said his name, I'm a father of multitudes. Everybody that would say, hey, hey, Abraham, I'm a father of multitudes. Some walk up to him and say, hey, Abraham, don't say that. Huh? Abraham. Oh, sorry, sir. Abraham. Mr. Abraham. Mr. Father of multitudes. See, God's got him and everybody else in his life on the same page as himself. God sees it had already done. He's, I, I have made you a father of many nations. Now Abraham's walking around saying, I'm a father of many nations just by saying his name. Other people are in agreement. Say, you're a father of many nations just by saying his name. See, it's important for us to be in agreement with God. We need to talk like he talks. We need to think like he thinks. That's what faith does. I said, that's what faith does. We want to be on the same page with him. Well, you say, how do we do that? How do we get on the same page with God? That's why he's given you his word. He's given you his word so you can learn his ways. And he's given you his Holy Spirit, which we need to be learning to be led by. 
We need to learn the moving and flow of the Holy Spirit. And church is a great place to learn the Holy Spirit, to learn his flow, to be able to recognize him. I'm in that flow right now, flowing with the Holy Spirit. So there's some things I'm saying, I'm teaching with my words that will teach you, right? And, but then there's other things that are not being actually said, but you can catch it. You can catch the spirit of what God is doing here this morning. Because what we're doing, we're doing in the spirit, by the spirit of God. This isn't being done in the flesh. And so you can catch what the spirit of God is doing. And thus learn the moving and the flow of the Holy Spirit. It's what helped me to learn the moving and the flow of the Holy Spirit was being around people that moved and flowed with the Holy Spirit in various different church meetings, church services, special meetings. And and thank God I had the privilege of being in some really, really good, what they even called Holy Spirit meetings. And you'd be in these Holy Spirit meetings, and really the main purpose of those meetings were for you to learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit by watching people that did it. So some things are taught, other things are caught. You got to catch it, catch, catch the flow of the Spirit of God. So you need to be like that. Right now this morning, you know, whenever we gather together around the Word, we got to be able to recognize the Spirit. Catch the Spirit. We're not just getting the letter of the Word. We're catching, we're laying hold of the Spirit of faith. I said the Spirit of faith is here this morning. The Spirit of faith is helping us this morning. We need to recognize that. A lot of people don't understand that. But that's why it's important even to say Amen. Lift your hands in the air like you don't care. You know, express yourself. and why? Because what you're doing is you're getting yourself in the river. You know, the Holy Spirit's like into a river. And you're getting yourself in the river. You're getting, your, you're getting yourself in the flow, the flow of God. And that's going to help you. Just as much as the things that are being said are going to help you. You yielding and moving to the Holy Spirit, it's going to help you. You know, Jesus, he said, what should I like in this generation to He said, it's like those in the marketplace who we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We fasted and you did not mourn. And then he said, John the Baptist came and, you know, he was preaching repentance and there were those that just watched. They just spectated. They didn't get in the flow. John's preaching repentance, and they're thinking, wow, that's a powerful message. Wow, that's an interesting truth. Yeah, I think that is in the scriptures. Huh, that's very interesting. But you see, there was a spirit of repentance. And people needed to be running down to the Jordan, jumping in the river, and getting washed. And their lives being changed. There was something they needed to do. Jesus comes along, he's preaching liberty. He's preaching freedom. He's preaching, you know, the coming of the Spirit and the kingdom of God. The authority of God has come. It's exciting news. It's interesting. Huh. Hmm. People are just listening, learning some things. But that's it. He said, no, no, no. I'm playing the flute. When I play the flute, you do something. Right? Right? I play the flute, you dance. 
So when the Spirit of God moves, you got to move with Him. I said you got to move with Him. And if you do, that's how you become a greater partaker of Him and are able to be able to recognize and identify the flowing and moving of the Holy Spirit in your life outside of church. But if we, don't, if we don't yield to him in here, if we don't cooperate with him in here, we just think this is a teaching time. And we don't move and cooperate with him, then how in the world are we going to do that out there in the world? How are we going to know how to flow and what we should do in the crises of life, in the heat of battle? We need to know what to do. Can you say Amen. So it was in the presence, Abraham talking about, in the presence of him, God, who he believed. He believed God, but notice, he didn't just believe a word. He believed the word of God in the presence of God. That's the spirit of God. See, he was yielding himself to the Holy Spirit. And that's why the Bible says that, verse 18 who contrary to hope, in other words, this is hopeless. In hope, he still had hope, even though everything said hopeless. He had hope. He believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. In other words, God's promise came together came together and actually manifested in his life because if God wants to do it, it's going to happen. No, because he cooperated with God. He believed God. He, he, he maintained the presence of God in his life, an awareness of God in his life. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. That's a tough one. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years of age and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So his wife was involved in this, wasn't she? He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God. So notice through this process, from the time that God gave the promise to the time that it actually was manifested in his life, the Bible says he was being strengthened in faith. And there were times he had to not even consider his body. There were things he had to, he had to put out of his mind concerning his body, concerning really even Sarah's body in order for this promise to come to pass. But notice, he was strengthened in faith. He grew in his faith, and he became the father of many nations. He became that. Are we becoming something? Are we becoming something? See, we need to be becoming something as we go through battles. A lot of people, when they go through battles, are becoming bitter. They're becoming bitter through battles. How sad. No faith, no faith, and I'm talking about Christians, no faith. No, we don't get bitter going through battles, we get better. We grow in our believing. We are strengthened in our faith. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God forever. So, 
So Gene and I, you know, we're facing these terrible, terrible circumstances. And again, it just came out of nowhere. There was no warning that this was coming other than just knowing that in the world we'll have tribulations. But we, this thing just hit her. And so now we're into the next day. And so I'm talking to the Lord and I'm ready to take her to the hospital if, if that would be the right thing to do. But I see I want to be led by him. I want to be led by him on how to lead her, what she should do. And so, you know, I go to God about it, and, uh, and I'm a praying and praying, and I'm seeking to be led, you know, as the head of the house. I mean, I'm the head of the house. And so, therefore, I need to be led by the Spirit of God of what she should do. Should she go to the hospital? So I go to God about it, and uh, I'm looking for his leading on this. And, uh, of course, Scripture just starts coming to me. Word of God starts coming to me. And everything I'm getting from him is telling me to stand, to believe, to trust. And a hospital was not in. I said, I'm specific, I'm asking, because, honestly, I want him to say, yeah, go to the hospital. I'm specifically asking him, should I take her to the hospital? I'm not getting that at all. So I'm up all night praying. I'd go up and check on her, and I'd try to make her as comfortable as possible, make her feel good, you know, make her, try to make her feel better. And then I would just see her circumstances. I'd just see her condition, and, you know, my soul is just struggling, you know. I don't want to see her like that. And... uh she would say something, you know, say something to me and, or tell me what she's feeling or something like that. And I said, well, I, I'll be right back. I'm just going to go talk to Jesus for a little bit. And man, I'm back downstairs. Jesus, thou son of David. And I'm just a praying in the Holy Spirit, just talking with God, talking with God. And time's flying by. I go back up, check up on her. You know, I get myself stirred up, strengthened. Yes, we're standing on your word. I go upstairs, check on her. Make her feel comfortable, help her a little bit more, and, and just, just seeing her in that condition, you know, and she's, she's fighting. She's fighting. She's, you know, she's, she is not a whiner. She is a warrior. No, no, no. Believe me. This woman is a warrior. Now, I always knew she's a fighting machine. But if you, if you witnessed this past week, you would, you would get a whole new revelation about this woman. She is a serious woman of faith and a serious warrior. And she is not a whiner. She's not saying, yeah, get me to the hospital. You know what she says to me? She says, I trust you. She looked at me and said, I trust you. I trust you to be led by the Spirit of God. And so I know whatever God leads you to do, that's going to be right. That's pretty powerful. You know, when you're in all this pain and, you know, the particular symptoms that she was having were very alarming and they were really, they seemed like time-sensitive symptoms. Like the longer you let this go, which I'm not letting it go, I'm hanging on to Jesus. I'm hanging on to the word of God, not just letting it go. This isn't a negligence thing. I'm hanging on to Jesus. 
But the circumstance was such that it was one of those things that if you don't do something about this, infection could be spreading through her body and all kinds of horrible things could be happening right now. We got some medical people here in the church. I'm getting their advice on it. Bouncing some things off of them. Talking to them. Looking at everything in the natural. First couple days, she's not even taking any pain medicine or anything. And then on like the third day, she started taking some Tylenol. But she was just so good. She said, you just tell me when, you know. You just tell me when to take something. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm trying to feel her out. And here I am. I'm, I'm doing the work of trying to be led by the Spirit of God, you know. And everything I'm getting, everything I'm getting is the way God talks to me. And he's telling me to stand on the word. I said, what about the hospital? The Lord, this might be a good time to go. I'm not getting that. In fact, I felt like if I would take her to the hospital, I would have been taking her in fear, not faith. And therefore, that would have just put me strictly in the hands of man and not in the hands of God. And don't get me wrong, going to the hospital is very good. But you want to go to the hospital in faith. Everything we do, we want to do by faith. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. That's why it's so important to know him. Be led by And he'll lead everybody differently. How he is leading me isn't necessarily how he would lead you. And how he's leading me in this situation might not be the same way he'd lead me in another situation. So she's looking to me to be led by the Spirit of God. I'm looking to me to be led by the Spirit of God. And, uh, you know, I know how to cast down thoughts. I know how to speak the word against things that come against your mind. But this was quite a bombardment. In fact, at one point, I went, got up, and as I walked, all of a sudden, this pain struck me so hard, I couldn't move. Now, here's my wife. She's over here in bed. She's in, she's in pain, and pain hits me. I can't move. And if I go to move, it's stabbing me. I said, you lying devil. And I just shook that off. I just walked through. I mean, it was so obvious to me. It was the devil that that wasn't going to have five seconds in me, but it was trying. So I had this bombardment of thoughts and this pain hit me. So it was, you know, a Job experience. I mean, it really was. You know, to me, uh, I'm sure Job had it a lot worse. He did, actually, if you look in the Word. But, uh, you know, it, it just, it was one of those bombardments, you know. Somebody say, thank God. We always triumph. We always win. Well, then now, we're about five days into it. Things haven't changed much. She seems a little better. Well, then she has a dream. And she, she, she calls me, and, and, and she texts me on her phone, because I was down in the basement praying. And she texts me, and I come up. She said, I had a dream. You got it. I don't know what it means. She seems like it means something. I said, well, tell me the dream. I said, Lord, you tell me the dream. And she tells me the dream. What does it mean? And she said she had a dream. She was in my car. Now, here's, here comes the big faith lesson. This isn't just me telling a story about what we're going through. This is, this is a teaching. This whole thing is full of teaching. And uh, in the dream, she's in my car. And so she can't find the keys to the car. She can't get the car started. Next thing you know, these creatures, she didn't know what they were, like these two creatures jump on the car. And she said there was just all this confusion. And it was these really nasty looking creatures on on the car, my car, not her car. We both have our own car. 
She's in my car. And there's this confusion. She can't find the keys. They were there, but she couldn't find them. And she was being threatened. And then these creatures jump on the car. And that was the dream. So immediately, I believed I knew what it meant. And I said to her, I said, listen, I said, uh, here's the problem. Here's where we're missing it. And we were missing it. Now, I was being led by God. But we missed it. And had we not missed it, this whole thing probably could have been over a whole lot sooner. I said, the problem is, see, you're in my car. You're not in your own car. And you're looking for me. See, I drive my car. She don't drive my car. She drives her car. She has put me in the driver's seat. I put me in the driver's seat. We both, just when this happened, I was in the driver's seat of her car. She was in my car. And she wasn't able to drive it. So if you're following this. See, it's all on me to be led by the Spirit of God as what she should do. But she is of age to be led, and she knows how, to be led by the Spirit of God for herself. Are you you listening to me? She needs to be led by the Spirit of God for herself, not look to me to be led by the Spirit of God for her. And that's exactly what we were doing. Both of us were doing it. I was being led by the Spirit of God for her. And she was looking to me for that leading. She wasn't looking to the Holy Spirit. He needed to be the one to lead her. And then I come along and help her. I don't become the helper for her. The Holy Spirit is her helper. You understand that? He is the helper. He's the one that is to lead her. I help her, but not in place of the helper. I'm a helper in her life. I'm a helper in your life. But you have the Holy Spirit, and you need to be led by him. I know that I can't be led by the Spirit of God for you. I got to find out where your faith is and how God is leading you and then get in agreement with that. Sometimes I'll help people to discern how God is leading them and help them to move with him. When I counsel them, talk with them, you know, and things like that. And so I'm supporting what God is doing in their life. I'm not taking over and saying, I'm the pastor, bless God, you're my sheep, and uh, this is what you need to do. You need to stay home, you need to go to the hospital. You need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. I don't do that. I know not to do that with you. But you see, I didn't realize it was wrong for me to do it with my wife. And here's why. Because of various different scriptures. Like, for example, over in 1 Corinthians. You all learning some things? 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And in verse 4, and I quoted this to the Lord. This is the, the first night. When it all happened, went to the Lord. This is, my, this is the scripture. I said, Lord, it is written, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. I have authority over my wife's body. And so, because I have authority over her body, then therefore, I can take control 
of this situation and lead her the way she needs to go. So I go to Spirit of God, lead me, Lord. How would you, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? Well, he's leading me how he leads me to do. That's what he did. That's what he does. But how does he need to lead her? You see? Because although I'm her husband and I have authority over my wife's body, I do not have authority over her life. I have authority over her body, not over her life. God is Lord of her life. He's the Lord of her life. He's the one that is to lead her and guide her. The husband may be the head of the house, but he's not the Lord of his wife's life. this This is very important to understand. It's a major thing. I didn't, I didn't realize. I thought, well, I have authority over her body. And, uh, and I, just, I just took charge of it. Now, listen, she was in pain. She was in a terrible place. But she wasn't in a place where she was unconscious and she couldn't make any decisions or hear from God. You know, it was tough. You know, all this stuff going on, all this stuff screaming at you. But she, she could hear from God. If she could hear from me, she could hear from him. Right? If she, if, she, if she could say, you tell me, then she could say, Lord, you tell me. What's the difference? My, my, my sheep hear my voice, right? We hear his voice. So that was a, that was a huge, huge thing right there. And, and so now all of a sudden we realize, darling, you need to be led by the Spirit of God on this, on what to do. See, I'm following how the Spirit of God leads me. You can learn a lot, a lot here this morning about being led by the Spirit of God. I, ho- I hope you're getting some things here. So I said, what do, you, what do you feel the Spirit of God would lead you? I said, you need to tell me. I'm, stop looking to me. I said, you, you, we got to stop that. I said, you got to now be led. What is the, how, does, how would the Spirit of God lead you? What would he lead you to do? What would he lead you to do? And it was, it was pretty quick. She was like, well, and she had actually said it already a few days before. She said, she said I'm not worried. You know, I have no problem going to the hospital, going to a doctor, you know, and seeing what they have to say. She said, I'm not worried about it. I said, so you feel good about going to the hospital? She said, yeah. I said, we're going to the hospital. She had it in there the whole time, what to do. But you see, we're looking at me, what I should do. Well, what I do, how God leads me, isn't necessarily how he leads her. And one isn't necessarily greater or better than the other. It's just, it's just different. You know, I would never say that God would never lead me to go to the hospital. I would never presumptuously say that. <laughs> if I need to go, I'm going to go. I mean, I'm just going to follow him. If he tells me not to, I won't. You see, it's all about following him. We never get to the place where I wouldn't do that. That's not faith. Says who? Spirit of God can lead us in all kinds of different ways to bring about the end result, victory. That, that's the bottom line. We want the end result. I've heard people say, well, you shouldn't, you should just believe God and you shouldn't go to the bank and borrow. Says who? Says who? Spirit of God led us to get a mortgage. 
That's why these buildings, by the way, the mortgage is paid off. But we got a mortgage to be able to build these buildings that we have out here. That's why we got a house. How many people have a mortgage payment? Got a house. See you, dirty, dirty unbelievers. No! See, but there's people like that, see? See, oh, you can't go to the world for anything. You can't do anything. Well, we've got to be led by the Spirit of God. God knows what's right for each and every one of us individually. So this was actually a huge lesson and a tremendous, tremendous breakthrough. And actually tons of things have happened as a result of the way we have gone. So we ended up going to the hospital. I said, let's go. And you know what was really amazing? She got cleaned up. She packed her stuff. The pain had gone way down. She had full control of herself. Had we gone in that first day, she was, she was buckled over. I mean, it was, it was horrible. But she walked, we're out there in the waiting room, and there's papers to sign. They hand the papers, hand the papers. I go to sign it. I go, you, you want me to sign it? So, well, it's preferred that she does if she can. I said, okay, well, she can. So she signed it. See, that's preferred. It's preferred in the kingdom of God if you could be led by the Spirit of God that you're led by the Spirit of God and somebody else isn't signing your papers. Are you getting this? See, you have to be led by the Spirit of God. And so, I, you know, we went in there and uh, they did some tests and they saw that it had to do with her appendix. Her appendix had bursted. And they were marveling. They're looking at her. She's got no pain medicine in her body whatsoever. She hasn't pain medicine in her body for, you know, since like the night before. And now it's like late the next day. And then the only she had was Tylenol. I mean, that's just out of her system. You understand what I'm saying? And she's like, they're like, what's your pain level? She's like, well, I'm good, you know. Maybe, maybe a three. They're like, your appendix ruptured. <laughs> they're trying to figure out how she's just so cool and collected, you know. One, one doctor comes in. He said, you can really take, you must really be able to take pain. Because they've seen this before. They know this is like overwhelming pain. And she's just totally carrying on a conversation. Do you want any kind of me- pain medicine? No, I'm good. It's pretty cool. And, and, you know, we went in there with an attitude. We're not victims. We went in there with the victory. I say we went in, in with the victory. And so, uh, so anyway, you know, we talked to the surgeon who was going to go ahead and remove the appendix. And they said, you know, there's stuff all over, you know, because it, it bursted and it caused all this, that, and the next thing. Everything just sounded worse and worse and worse. And we just sat there, calm, calm, calm. Because we're being led by the Spirit of God. And we knew we had the right surgeon at the right time and everything was just going to be just fine. And so, sure enough, she went in. The surgery went really well. The doctor came out. Now, this is really cool. So they called my name up, you know. So I go in this little conference room to meet with the surgeon, right? So, the, so I'm waiting in the conference room. The surgeon comes out. And I, you know, we had talked to her before. I know what she looked like and the way she was beforehand. And well, now she just came from doing surgery on Jean. It looked like she just, and I'm not exaggerating. It looked like she just came from a Holy Ghost meeting. You know the joy? You know the kind of joy you have when you're in a Holy Ghost meeting? The joy of the Lord was all over this. She was like, she was just, she was just so fired up. She was just so excited. She had such joy. 
And I just recognized it's God. She said, oh, it went great. It went great. She said, we went in there because they thought they were going to have to do this, this, and this, and this, and all this kind of stuff. You know, the CAT scan revealed all this stuff. She said, she said and this is what she said, and I don't quite understand it, but she said there was just this one area where there was, you know, this, uh, you know, infection and things. And she said, we just took that out. And she said, everything else just healed. That's how she said it. <laughs> now, I don't quite understand that. And everything else just healed. But she's just as happy as could be. Praise God forever and ever. Amen. So, you know, I, I, you know, you're tempted to get mad at yourself thinking, my Lord God, if we just went the first day and, uh, you know, then probably maybe, maybe it bursted right away. It could have bursted that first night. Or maybe it was just appendicitis and then because of the delay, then it bursted, you know. Nobody really knows. The doctor really didn't know that. Nobody could answer that question. We really didn't know the answer to that. So you're just looking, you're thinking, you know, here I was down in the basement praying and praying and praying for direction for her life. And the Lord's directing me the way he directs me, just giving me the word that he gives me, waiting for her to take her place of the Lord leading her and showing her what she's supposed to do. So yeah, we missed it, you know, and, but, but what a tremendous lesson. And how much it really has all turned for the good because the Lord even showed me, and this is, this is a little bizarre, but it's been confirmed by several different praying people in this church, different ones saying things to me. I'm going, that's exactly what he said to me. The day I was going to the hospital, when I decided I was going to do it, my last little prayer session with God in the basement, it was prophetic, and it was just full of all kinds of commendation of how this thing was handled even though we were ignorant and missing it in that area, in that we were being led by my faith and not hers, the way it went down was it showed that no matter what the crisis is, no matter if it looks like I'm about to lose my wife, she's about to die, I'm going to stand on the word of God. So there was ignorance, but yet at the same time, the Lord recognized I stood in my place where I needed to be. I was doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing in, in the area of faith. However, I wasn't supposed to be leading her. That was error. I missed it. You understand? But I was in faith. And I was standing on his word. And he kind of likened to me like Abraham offering up his son Isaac that he was ready to take a knife and he was ready to kill his son because of his believing God. Think about this. He was going to cut his son open and then burn his body, his, lo- his son he loves so much. He's going to kill him because he had faith in God that God would have to raise him from the dead if he did that. And so God began to come at him. So this is what God's saying to me, and I'm thinking, I don't feel like I should be being patted on the back right now. I feel like, you know, I missed it. This shouldn't have been, this should never have happened. This, she should have been fixed up days ago. Shouldn't have gone the hard way. But yet the Lord's commending me that this actually, this whole ordeal has now turned around for the good. And what the devil meant for evil, God says now, blessing, I'm going to bless you. Remember what he said to Abraham? Right after Abraham was going to sacrifice his son. Genesis 22, verse 16 God says, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing 
and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham followed God the way God led Abraham, and it turns out to be a tremendous blessing. It opened the way for tremendous blessing. This is what God's saying. What the devil meant for evil is turning for our good. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now this whole process, too, has refined our own faith. Our own faith. So we had faith, but our faith had some impurities in it, some, some wrong thinking in it. So let me just close with this one more scripture. Can you handle one more? Some of you are going to have to go back and relist this again because there's a lot of revelation in it. I don't think you're getting it all. First Peter chapter 1. Turn there with me. First Peter chapter 1. I'm going to close. And in verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God. That's us. We're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved or distressed by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So notice here he's talking about genuine faith that is being tried as through fire. Just like gold, they put gold through fire. Molten gold goes through fire. They they stir it and, uh, and all the impurities come to the top. And then they take those impurities off. And they say that the temperatures can get up to like a, a thousand degrees Celsius. Think about that. You got this tremendous heat. And, and to the point where back in the old days, it was dangerous to be a gold refiner. It's a very, very dangerous job. Well, these trials and tests, they are dangerous. There are some people that haven't made it through them. There are people that have died through these fiery tests. We didn't die. Nobody dying. But these fires, what they do, get the impurities off your faith. You have genuine faith. Listen to this now. Listen, you can have genuine faith, but it can have some things on it that hinder it. Some things that just aren't right. Some things that are imperfect. But you go through a fiery test like this, and the fire demands that you examine yourself like you have never examined yourself. When you're going through a fiery test, days on and like this, you are doing a serious examination. And then the Lord reveals this. That, that missing it right there comes off the top. Let me tell you, this is open things up now to really release her to go much further in her graces and her giftings because she's a very submitted woman. And she submits to me, but we can get over into the place where she's being led by me. And I've learned now, oh, oh, that ain't happening anymore. She's led by, what's the Spirit of God telling you, darling? And it needs to be, where she's going, she needs to be led by the Spirit of God. She needs to know I hear from God, and she needs to follow that, and I'll help her. 
And if something's contrary to God and she's missing it, bless God, which I doubt it'll happen, then I can step in and help in that area too. But I trust, I trust God leading her now like never before. And I'm not going to take that position from her. Amen. So that's going to help her. Things have been refined. And uh, there's all kinds of blessings that actually, revelation, all kinds of great things that actually happen through this whole process. So that we could say, had the devil known, he never would have messed with my wife's appendix. <laughs> Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Can you rejoice with us this morning? Come on, stand on your feet. Let's thank God. Hallelujah. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.